Blog Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the most fascinating and the most helpful leaders in the business community from around our terrestrial orb. I am of business. And I must tell you that Eric Schmidt, a former CEO of Google, once told me that the days when workers would sweat and respond just because the boss said so, those days are long gone, he said, and business people have evolved and the leaders seeking to motivate are going to have to evolve with them. And how, I hear you asking yourself, must I evolve? Well, by buckets of Yule Tide good fortune, we have right here the founder of the Center for Advancing Leadership and Human Potential, and she has also been the former CEO of the Carnegie Foundation. She's been a global teacher who has enriched minds from Brazil's Iguazu Falls to South Africa's Cape of Good Hope. Yes, I am talking about none other than the author of The New Alpha, Dr. Danielle Harlan. So whether you are a third-generation businessman running the CEO, running the, the, the family business, striving to keep current like David, uh, or you're a, perhaps a purveyor of digital and hard copy stationery to the legal trade like Joe, whatever, pull up your chair a little closer, join our Feast of Wisdom, which is all carefully cuisined to make your career thrive and your ventures flourish. Danielle, I am so glad that you could come by today and join us. And, um, well, thanks so much for having me. I, oh, well, that's good. This is this is going to be a fun show, I can tell you. And I want to kick it right off with with uh, a question of my own that's, uh, alas, like me, a bit long-winded. Picture, if you will, <laughs> Alexander the Great is standing on the city wall totally alone. His army is at his back down below uh, where the scaling ladder he's got up has just collapsed, by the way. They're down there. The enemy is right before him within the city. They all yell, jump, Alexander, and meaning to go back. Alexander stands there, draws his sword out of his scabbard, and yells, follow me, jumps headlong into the enemy, and thousands of his followers grit their teeth, scrabble up over that wall, and get there into battle, and take, and the victory is won. And now... Danielle, you're here to tell me that that kind of leadership is is gone with the wind. It's old-fashioned. And there's no more room for the charismatic head of the charge leaders of Eld? Uh, I think that's a great story. I love the image. I think, I mean, it's interesting. Something we've talked about in the past, Bart, is this idea of charisma, right? And I think if we think of right, charisma yeah. as a, a personal connection, right? Do I like this person who I'm working with? Do I like the leader? Then, yeah, I think that's equally meaningful now as it was, you know, in the time of Alexander the Great. I don't think that's gone away. But I think fundamentally leadership shouldn't be a pull force. It's just not sustainable, what happens if that leader disappears or goes away or changes organizations? I think fundamentally leadership has shifted now where it's really a force to connect people to the vision and motivate and empower them to, to own it, right? Not to pull them along oh, as I'm going okay. toward it, but to really have them take ownership of it. So in that way, you have many, many Alexander the Greats in that group. I'm not following Alexander. I'm conquering Persia. Right. I see. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great I, I love after, your knowledge of history, by the way. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, with that, that uh, 
exquisite a- answer of of that uh, not so subtle question, and it's it's a tempting <laughs> nosh of today's feast of wisdom. So uh, after that, if if you will allow me to fulfill my duties as proper host and and lay before you a few utensils for furthering today's feast. Uh, and first utensil, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you will ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you discover ways to give unto others in ways that brings you joy? I mean, put the beaming smile on your face. Or will you continue to say to the salesperson behind the counter, no, don't wrap it as a gift, wrap it as an obligation. (laughs) The choice, Mm -hmm. my friend, truly yours. And as a second utensil, uh, I think you need to steep your lips into a little laughter and taste a scriptural recitation from the 101 Best Business Quips book. And this is one of my very favorite. It's chosen for this time of year. And it's quip one number 101. Uh, it is simply never underestimate the power of a handwritten thank you note. And as an afterthought, my friend, <laughs> all business is personal, right? I'm, and don't you agree, uh, Danielle, that you're really never too busy to treat others with exceptional courtesy because it earns exceptional rewards? Yeah, I mean, I think it gets back to this idea of uh, human connection. And I think that means a lot. We live in this very digital world. And don't get me wrong, I'm a huge fan of that. It makes things so much more efficient in so many ways. But I think you can really distinguish yourself by taking the time to, as you said, observe these, you know, human courtesies that sometimes we forget or that get lost in the hustle and bustle of things. And I love this idea also that we are all if nothing else, the CEOs of our own lives, right? And we have choices as to the direction that we take ourselves and how we treat other people. This, by the way, this personal note coming to you from a lady who is was voted 40 uh, of of the 40 under 40 for Silicon Valley. So she does she knows text, but she also knows humanity, which is much. Uh, much, much more vital. So if you smirked a bit or pondered a bit over that quip, by the way, uh, we've got them literally by the books full over here. Just visit bartsbooks.com. That's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com. Pick up your copy of 101 or 102 Best Business Quips books, and you're going to have a whole arsenal of agile-witted cleverisms that are just going to lighten the load of all the chain gang at work. And as a third utensil, uh, this oh oh yes it is time oh, I think we should appropriately entitle this uh, the widget of fork uh, we proffer you the answer to last week's business quotation that is the name of the author who noted many a man's reputation would not know his character if they were to meet in the street. <laughs> That was spoken by none other than the great American philosopher and went Albert Hubbard. You try reading him. And later on in the show, blurting your way, stick with us, because we have another enriching quotation. If you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble that wise person's name down as you believe him or her to be and email it right off to info at bartsbooks.com, I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com. And if you are correct, your knowledge will earn you a marvelous gift, freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. Uh, 
So with our utensils in hand and your eye twinkling toward Janus, the new year, uh, let's turn our scrutinizing ears towards leadership's new sage, Danielle Harlan. Now, Danielle, you say that the old alpha, the, tra- the traditional uh, command and control leader, um, is just plain not as effective, and he must be replaced by the transformative leader. Um, I was wondering if you could help us understand the difference. Let, let's just say, for the heck of it, uh, I am a le- I've, I'm a leader, and I've got a new product that demands a promotion program, and so I'm assembling my PR and marketing team. How would the new leader, uh, uh, how might the new leader handle that situation and talk to them initially and uh, and motivate them as opposed to the old control and command? Uh, This is a great question, Bart. I think the best way to think about it is to compare it to how the, you know, traditional alpha would handle this. So I think in traditional alpha land, you know, I develop a list of tasks and I give them to you and, you know, check in to make sure that you're doing them, right? That's the modern sort of, um, up until this point at least, paradigm of how leadership and management was done. And I think going forward, as we move towards this new alpha model, it's really about we work together to develop a vision for the project. And I, maybe as the leader, might drive this a little bit more, um, but we're both involved in it and engaged in it. And we're clear on what constitutes success, you know, who owns what. And then we touch base regularly, not just so I can check in and make sure you're doing the work you should do, but so that you can communicate progress and I can provide resources and clear obstacles and even be a thought partner as necessary. So I think both of these models are about getting the work done, right? (laughs) That's important if you're a leader and it's important for teams to be able to do. Um, but we want to empower team members to feel ownership of the product and really shine. And if your team members shine, then you as the leader, you know, by association, look good as well. So you don't just want to light kindling. You want to turn each each piece of wood into a match of its own. All right. Exactly. That's great. Yep. And if you have just joined us, uh, you are listening to The Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time streams magically through the mightily misunderstood realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download (laughs) this and all our episodes by visiting theartoftheceo.com, T-H-E-A-R-T-O-F-T-H-E-C-E-O.com. And uh, I got it all right without a single mistake. Amazing. Uh, Danielle, in the (laughs) book... Yes, yes. I, I have to have, give the patter of little feats every once in a while. Um, in, in your marvelous new book, uh, the the new alpha, um, you say that the new al- uh, alpha leader is necessary because they're more effective. And um, then you go through and you uh, lay out things, and in the right, uh, you literally have printed a, a contract in uh, for the reader to sign. Which I think is a marvelous idea, but why did you do that? Why did you you uh, have uh, why did you put a contract for the reader to sign? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Uh, when I coach my clients, I ask them to sign a contract, and, and I sign one as well because it clarifies our expectations and really firms up the commitment. Here's what we're doing. You know, here's you know the the um, energy and. Um, you know, motivation that will be required on your part and my part. And I think it's the same thing when you do this program. I say in the beginning of this book, you know, this is not a book that you sit down and read in a single setting. And I'm guessing that was your experience reading it as well. It's really a series of self-assessments and reflection 
and skill building activity, very much like you do with a coach, obviously at a fraction of the cost. Um, so I want people right. to know up front that it is, it is an investment of your time and energy and to really commit to themselves to going through it at, you know, whatever pace makes sense, given what else they have going on, but to stick with it. I think I, that's very good. I think that this is, this is not something that you're going to nod off on, uh, while, um, on the train on the way home. This is uh, this is a commitment. It demands a little shirt sleeve rolling up, and uh, you have to prod your brain into it. And I and if if you don't if you don't invest in the book, if you don't make that emotional commitment, you uh, well, frankly, you're going to only get what you pay for. And uh, yep, so yep. that's that's great. I think it's I think it's a marvelous idea. Um, now in in um, the book, as you have laid it out, you have this very, very strong, organized, step-by-step planning. I, I would just bet that Danielle Harlan's spice rack is alphabetized. I, I just got to, I, I would bet. <laughs> if my uh, spouse would leave it that way, Bart. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, it would Anyway, be. No, you've, you've got this whole thing. You've got the, the two years, you know, the plan for two years, the plan for one year, the plan for day by day, and which I think is, is good and helpful uh, in some ways. I from a teaching point of view, but but I just wonder, um, you've got this this sort of team selected by Tuesday, decision by Wednesday. I, I wonder if you're really being uh, about as flexible as pig iron in this. I mean, doesn't this <laughs> doesn't this sort of hinder individual team member development and and pacing? Uh, projects travel like a fugue, not not like a, a tsunami. It would seem to me. But go ahead. I mean, what, why? Uh, do you, do, you, do you worry about flexibility with this program? Yeah, absolutely. I think the part that you're talking about is the personal leadership part in the middle of the book, which is part yeah. two, which really gets into, you know, what is my vision for my life? What is my plan for the next year? What does the next, you know, day, month, week look like? But I say in the book, like, hey, start with a plan, but know that even, you know, with the most well-laid plans, you might often deviate. The point is have one so that when you do deviate, that's a strategic choice, right? You're making that choice because it's what you think is going to move your larger vision forward. Uh, just because you have detailed plans doesn't and, you know, you have to follow, follow them to the letter, especially when it doesn't make sense to do so. Uh, and I think especially when you're working with teams and applying that same sort of vision, plan, execute framework to your teams, the, that part of the book, part three, is really designed to um, – you can pull what you need when you need it. And so, you know, my – I'm sure you've had this experience. Have you ever worked with a leader who just has, like, no vision or plan at all? Yeah, my, my, my wife says she's married to someone like that. <laughs> Right, if you're working with someone like that. <laughs> so my thing is, like, do, do the best that you can to have a plan. That's what communicates to everybody where we're going. It helps coordinate. But, you know, be smart about it and know when it makes sense to deviate. Like, I've definitely had days where I have, you know, a perfectly detailed plan to the hour. And I look back at the end of the day and I'm like, wow, around like 8 a.m. that <laughs> yeah. went off the rails. But it's a choice, right? Like I'm making that choice to go off of the rails because I think it's the right thing to do in the moment rather than just sort of letting life or the day happen to me. Well, uh, truly the best laid mice after getting to Glay. Uh, and well, I, I think that that's, that that's true, that you do, uh, that you once you've built that, uh, you have something to deviate from. And that's very, and that's very exactly. important. Yep. Uh, now, I, you also have said something in, in the book from, and in, in our talks, but you uh, have the, the fervent, marvelous belief that each individual holds some leadership potential. And 
so for someone who is just stepping into uh, his first leadership role, uh, could you give us a couple of sort of basic steps of how I might discover my own leadership style and my, my potential? Yeah, yeah. This is one of the very first things I do with coaching clients when we start working together is really uh-huh. this sort of self-exploration. Who am I? What makes me unique and distinctive? And how can I use that to be an effective leader? So I think the thing that it, one, one way of getting at this is to really think about times in your life when you've been at your best, right? When you were successful at something mm-hmm. and you enjoyed doing it. So, so in my personal life, right. I'll give you an example. I was the first in my family to graduate from college. I went on to grad school, graduated. And, and I think when I look back on those experiences, it tells me a lot about myself, right? Like I have some grit. I'm resourceful. Um, maybe some intellectual curiosity, right? Like I like school. I like learning. Um, but also I like right. taking on big challenges. And I think when I look at the work that I'm doing now, I can see so many of those qualities playing out. And if I try to fit myself into this mold, right, of what I think a good leader should be, then it wouldn't necessarily be authentic. But when we do that self-reflection piece first and really think about when have I been at my best, um, I think that gives us a lot of, of purchase in terms of thinking about yeah. our own personal leadership identity. I, that's It is. Uh, you know, some of the, the greatest pieces of wisdom are the simplest things, and I think you have just passed that pass that back and in fact i think we're going to call that a quill pen moment that is a timeless business truth that if you want to find out how to go forward look at when you have been at your best and use that as a template and format so i'd like you to all take your uh quill pens dip them in the inkwell and jot that down and hold it uh in your memory now and just wait can i add something there Bart? you certainly (laughs) please do i wish somebody would Ever since we met, I've been thinking about this with you because I think you do such a good job of bringing in, like, the historical pieces. And when I think about you, I'm like, oh, that's a part of your personal leadership identity, right? Like, you don't need okay. to have a knowledge of Alexander the Great, right, to be successful. But you bring no, it in really no. well because it's a part of who you are. So I think it's just, yeah, you embody that. Right. That's so very good. And so this it shows you that she's a good coach. She uh, she can find uh, good things even in, in the, uh, those uh, foible-laced leaders of, of uh, the radio. Uh, you know, now here's just I, I we I want we are going to have to break, but I want to just ask you one thing, and that but before we do, and that's that I've once you've molded your leadership style, and and um, how far do I need to flex it to adapt to my team. In other words, I walk in the room and my style of leadership is I'm the engaged leader, I'm the consensus building leader, I'm whatever I am. Uh, yeah. And, but but sometimes, how, how much flexing do I have to do to my team? I mean, this is a great question. I get this from clients and, and students in my classes all the time. Here's what I always say. Your personal leadership identity plus emotional intelligence is like a winning combination, right? Obviously you want to be yourself because you're going to bring the best qualities that you have to the table, but you want to be able to read the situation and know what's necessary. So, you know, for example, I'm thinking of a CEO that I work with here in Silicon Valley and he loves number crunching and he loves like budget forecasting. There's nothing he would rather do than be in the back office, right? Like writing up long budget to support the work and let people know where they're going. But as a CEO, obviously, he has a lot of other duties that he needs to do, you know, bringing on new clients, um, but also being a real visionary. And I think he's managed to combine those things really well. 
Like he's still very much a number cruncher, but he uses that to really project the vision. And then he's smart. He brings on people on his team who can help support the pieces that don't come as naturally to him. And I think that's a great example of someone really being true to their personal leadership identity, but also, you know, reading the situation and bringing on people who can support him and the organization as they move forward. Okay, very very good. I'm glad you you cleared that up. Danielle, how can people get a copy of this marvelous book, The New Alpha? Yep, absolutely. It's available anywhere books are sold. I highly recommend Amazon.com just because it's speedy. Um, And there's also a free (laughs) chapter on my website, which is leadershipandhumanpotential.com. So you're welcome to go download that free chapter. You'll see the contract in there. Check it out. And if it's helpful, you can order a copy. What a marvelous thing to do. The woman is an, is an exquisite, have an exquisite marketer right here standing and giving us not only leadership but uh, a little bit of mar- uh, sales and marketing tips. And right now, <laughs> uh, it is good for you to see the, the, your, this, that's part of your, potential, your, your hidden leadership potential. You know, uh, you know how to market people uh, and for knowing what they want rather than what they need, and you slip in the need very quietly. So it's very good. Uh, I think it's <laughs> time to, to take a, a gentle uh, brief sorbet uh, from this feast of wisdom that, that Danielle is, is heaping upon us here. And let me introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today. And that company is Prometheus Publishing, creator of, among other divisions, Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides. And you may visit the uh, Prometheus online bookstore by just uh, taking your agile little fingers and typing bartsbooks.com that's b-a-r-t-s-b-o-o-k-s.com and uh, this very day Prometheus would like you to take a look at the one book which launched this entire bizarre radio show it's entitled uh, The Art of the CEO which is a volume which collects and distills the most masterful practices from business leaders really all over the globe and presents them right to you to apply to your own career and your own company the book has been praised uh, by radio host and CEO himself Daryl Gunter who said quote one of the best business leadership books I have ever read in my career full of wisdom what are you waiting for so Enough said on that. Uh, it's something that you should not wait for. And if you enjoyed today's quip, by the way, uh, and I like to laugh a lot, and with a little bit of wisdom flung at you every week, we invite you to go to that uh, homepage, click on that little blue mailbox, and you will subscribe absolutely free to uh, the Bart's Books quips, and by the eternal enigma of email, you will receive the little laughter coming toward you. And uh, if you would like to get more involved with the art of the CEO and you'd like to find out, for instance, where Danielle is speaking, what she's doing, and all her latest events, along with all our other guests, visit theartoftheceo.com. And speaking of things that are chief and executive, I think it's time to carry you back, or rather carry you forward, into the age of the new alphas, which is so expertly decried by Dr. Danielle Harlan. And I'm going to ask you, uh, personally, Danielle, you really have made such a, a quintessential study of leadership, d- drilling down to its most personal roots. Where did all that come from in you? What what inspired you? Was there some en- uh, enchanting business venture person in your background, or was it your educational efforts? What led you to study le- leadership? So, 
Yeah, I mean, I think the short answer is yes, all of the above. Um, you know, I'm a problem solver by nature. I think, um, but I think when you identify a problem, you have to have a theory of change. And so to me, there's so many problems in the world and and there's so many things that sort of catch our attention. And I think, you know, is, is there some common denominator, some common factor that could impact these, these problems in a way where, where they'd be resolved or at least move forward. And my theory of change is that leadership in all of these situations, leadership matters, right? Better leadership produces better outcomes. Terrible leadership produces not good outcomes. Um, and I think right. current leaders just, well, I think we're not cutting it, to be honest. And you look here in the U.S. where we are today, you know, congressional approval ratings are terrible. Um, you look at the recent presidential election ratings for both candidates. I know I'm going to, like, <laughs> annoy everyone across every side of the aisle by saying this, but they were really low on both uh, sides. You look at world oh, yeah, right, approval right. ratings, they're low. Um, so I'm I think, in a state whose people... governor has a 19% approval rating. It's exactly. the lowest in in the state's history, and we're a very old state. Uh, <laughs> that's New Jersey. Right, right yeah. exactly. You go, you go out east, there's even more data. Um, I think right. people are hungry for leaders who are not just great, but who are also good. And the new Alpha book is really about giving people that skill set to be both great and good, right? To be highly effective, but also an emotionally intelligent, ethical human being. And that's, to me, that's my contribution, right, to, to solving some of the issues that I see going on in the world. Um, that, that, you know, caused me distress or upset me. Well, all right. That's, I think that's true. And now the uh, our, our current president, uh, who I think has, has, fought, has fought and is fighting an excellent good fight, um, President Barack mm-hmm. Obama, when he was campaigning, his first, his first initial speech used the term that you termed, change 46 times in 10 minutes. <laughs> and uh, I happen to know that because he was saying what you are saying, that that we want uh, – we don't want what is. We want things that are that will take us forward. And so I'm exactly. going to ask you uh, how uh, – looking at uh, a man whose uh, leadership has been fraught with absolute obstacleism from one end to the other – um, give us a quick assessment of our our current president's leadership, um, and not so much concentrate on some of the things that you the strengths that you saw that others of us might want to emulate. Yeah, uh, this is funny. People ask me this all the time. Like, do you think Barack Obama is a new alpha leader, right? <laughs> Does he embody these qualities that you're talking about in the book? And I will say, I mean, I definitely consider myself the person that sort of, you know, interviewed all these people across like fields and, and, and different roles to, you know, pull the content together in this book. But I also don't consider it my role to judge other people. Um, so, you know, okay. I think it's up to Barack Obama to sort of judge himself. But I will say, as someone who thinks a lot about what it means to be not just a good leader, but a good human being, he is certainly one of the most important and influential leaders in my lifetime. And, uh, and a couple of things that I think make him distinctive. One, I think you're absolutely right. Like the, the vision, he set a very clear vision about change, um, well, hope and change. Okay. And he, he okay. repeated it over and over and over. And I think sometimes we forget, right? Like when we have this vision, we forget that we have to keep communicating it. Everything that we do, the words that we say, how we interact with people, we have to be embodying that. And he did a great job of being a visionary leader in that way. But he also really empowered other people to get on board in a mm-hmm. grassrootsy way that we hadn't seen um, 
you know, particularly in that party in, in quite a long time. Like he, he empowered people across the country and communities that traditionally weren't rallying around his party to really step up and, right. and get involved. And I think he did his best to work across the aisle. Um, and I, I think that's oh. hard because perhaps, you know, we might say he might have been more he effective. He absolutely if he didn't did. Do that. Right. You know, I, I will but tell I this story that. briefly the, about Barack Obama. Yeah. That when you said that, you hit it right in the nose. He, on on the day of the Republican caucus, Barack Obama had been president about uh, 10 days at this point. And he went in and stormed, is really the only word for it, the Republican caucus caucus stood there in front of all these people and said we have to work together you can't exist by being the party of no we all have to work together which i think was one of the most amazing ballsy uh, incredible things for a young president uh, a new sitting president to do to walk into the other party's caucus i mean an amazing thing but uh anyway I, i i also like what you said about you, he gave the vision and he repeated it. There's there's a big blunder a lot of us make. You know, you know the vision. I wrote it down four years ago. For heaven's sake, well, it's, it's so it's smart, right? Like he he's so smart. Has so many yeah. good ideas. But the one very simple thing he did over and over, and he did this with particular policies that he was pushing forward to, like healthcare. He'd repeat the same three points over and over and over in every talk, and it made it really easy for everybody to become familiar then with those ideas because they weren't complex, right? Even though he's a very smart guy, like he he distilled them into really right. simple points, and he just repeated them over and over and the last thing I'll say about his his presidency that's been really meaningful to me personally is you know I remember in uh, in elementary school in the 80s right right before right. George H.W. Bush was elected we were sitting in my elementary school class and we were putting together a timeline of all the presidents and you know waiting to see who I who the next one would be because it was you know right. uh-huh. season. yeah and I remember looking at them and thinking, you know, all of these people look a lot alike to me, and I don't see anyone that looks like <laughs> me, um, and I don't, I don't see a lot of diversity. And when he got elected, for me personally, as someone who felt like, wow, I don't, I don't physically look like this mold of what I'm seeing, you know, in the culture of power in my country, it was really meaningful for me to see him break that mold, um, and I think... Yeah, that was that was powerful. I think people might think it's like, oh, that's tried or you know, sort of sort of silly or like a warm. Even as thing. a white woman, um, you felt this. I, I have yeah, to say absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Right, okay. Absolutely. No, well, you see, our our, our listeners do not have the, the good grace. Someone who did the mold. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. I I think that's really true. You know, and right along that line, I I find something. I'm uh, I I'm so glad that you're here because I have a question that's been puzzling me for the longest time, and I finally have a very real leadership uh, expert to sort of unravel this mystery. I call it the Voldemort paradox, and yep. um, by that I mean, uh, you, you know, that in the Harry Potter books, I'm sure most of us are aware there, there stands this absolutely ruthless, sort of viciously vengeful leader who attracts this slavishly devoted crew around him, and when you see him uh, in, in this, uh, I know it's fiction, but uh, it 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 works out. It seems to work out in reality that he punishes these leaders viciously and whimsically, and he keeps everybody scared to death all the time. And yet, they follow him as as even mm-hmm. even more so. So my question, Danielle, what is the element that keeps people following a leader 
who holds them in contempt and treats them so terribly. What? How does? What? How does Voldemort do it? <laughs> and why? Why do the people do it? I mean, do you have any idea? Yeah, Bart, I love this question. It's maybe the best question I've ever been asked during a radio interview. <laughs> so, first of all, I love Harry Potter. I'm on the fourth reading of the entire series right now. Uh, and I often oh, think about what do these books wow. teach us about leadership? Yeah, I know. So I'm like, yeah, quiz yeah. me, quiz me on anything. Um, you know, so I think there was three things if you look at his followers that, that, that attracted them. One was some of them were just ignorant, right? There was a guy, Ludo Bagman, in the books. He was in The Goblet of Fire. Um, he was the, the guy, right. one of the like, international sort of judges that was judging the tournament. And he, he was just sort of an idiot, to be honest. You know, he kind of didn't know what was right. happening. Okay. He got involved, just clueless. So I think that's category one. Category two are, are selfish people, right? They see an opportunity to latch on to someone in power and increase their own power. Boom, they latch on. That's category two. Category three, I, I think, are yeah. people... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I think they're people who are scared. I think we really, many of us, um, don't have the courage to stand up and do what's right. And it's very easy for me to say that, right, in this sort of theoretical conversation we're having. But when your career, right. your livelihood, or in some cases your life, or the lives of your family members are on the line, it's really hard to act with courage. And I think that we as parents and educators need to really spend some time instilling this quality in our children. And it's covered in Chapter 1 of the book, one of the essential qualities, I think, of new alpha leaders. And as community members, we need to demand this of our leaders. Like, I look at what's going on right now. We talked about this a little bit earlier offline, but the humanitarian crisis in Syria, you know, I, I wrote to my elected officials and said, hey, you need to stand up and do something. You need to get the UN involved, whether it's, you know, UN action or, or unilateral action, you know, depending on your policy preferences. You have to have the courage to say, like, people, innocent people are dying. And I think that we don't demand that enough of our leaders. And that, that's a problem. And that's how people like Voldemort get into power. And I think if you look around the world, certainly here in my country, I feel this way, you see this increasingly. People who I would have Never believe that someone who I'd compare to Voldemort would come to power, and yet it's coming to be because we don't have the courage to to stand up for what's right and to man to demand that our leaders do the same. Let let good men do nothing, uh, Danielle. This exactly. is fabulous. Just one more quick thing: if I am looking for a speaker, or if I am looking to. Uh, get hold of the center and improve my own leadership, how may I get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. You can visit our website. Again, it's leadershipandhumanpotential.com. But I also have people reach out to me on social media all the time, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. I had someone actually tweet to me uh, a couple months ago and said, hey, could you come speak at our event? So yeah, I'm, I'm around Excellent. on the social media sort of milieu and, and really love connecting with uh, especially readers, but people interested in this work. Okay. I thank you very much. This has been utterly fabulous. We're going to have to have you back again. That's all there is to it. Uh, and uh, because we have so much more we want to talk, I've enjoyed this immensely. And so, again, I thank you so much for coming in. And well, as so we round out Bart. today, thank you, Danielle. And as we round out today's feast, uh, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's quotation, who said... Don't worry about people stealing your ideas. If your ideas are any good, you'll have to ram them down other people's throats. And as a hint, the persons this person
Ellison's genius was really the driving intelligent force behind the pioneer computer, IBM's Harvard Mark I. So, and if you know the author of that quote, just scribble his name down and send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com to win an absolutely power-thrusting, career-enhancing gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, one individual spurred by a mighty ambition can create a powerful force of one. But one person armed with compassion will find himself supported by an army of thousands. And to you gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed The Art of the CEO as much as I have. And remember, you may download all our shows uh, at, by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash theartoftheceo. And finally, to you who have honored us with your time, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you. <laughs>